1: Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet, with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D. From Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. Now, here's your host, Rev. Anna Schaus.
0: Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery. I'm very glad that you're listening with us today. It's uh, great to know that you are out there and participating here in all that we do on the Spirit of Recovery I want you to um, know that I love getting your comments on our Spirit of Recovery Facebook page, and I really love hearing from you by email. And I want to thank you for participating and for uh, letting me know how the Spirit of Recovery is touching your life, how it's making a big difference in your recovery and in your spirituality walk. I want to thank you also for letting the people in your recovery community, in your unity community, and your other spiritual communities know about us here on Spirit of Recovery here on unityonlineradio.org. Every week, we bring topics that are important to the recovery community. We have guests who are down to earth, knowledgeable and innovative, that they're people who are either in recovery themselves or who work with or write for recovering people. And a lot of of times, all three of those. My guests are always bringing you practical information that you can use and lively discussions that get you thinking and bring you some inspiration and information about the recovery and spirituality journey. You know that you can listen to us here on Spirit of Recovery in a variety of ways. You can, of course, listen through your computer. You can listen through your smart device. You can listen live, or you can listen to our archives. We've got um, lots of great archived programs, and you can download those and listen to them on demand. Go to UnityOnlineRadio.org slash program slash Spirit of Recovery. I want you to know as well that the spirit of recovery is a welcoming place. So if you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of an addiction, if you are the family member or friend of someone that has the disease of addiction, perhaps you're in your own recovery as a family member, or maybe you're not. Maybe uh, your loved one or your friend is or isn't in recovery from addiction, but whatever the situation, you're welcome here. You're welcome to listen. You're welcome to participate uh, in our discussions. Give us a phone call or send us an email with a comment or a question on the topic for our guest of the day. You're also certainly welcome if you're just curious about the process of recovery. You just want to learn some more about it, uh, want to get some information. We're, again, very glad to have you listening and very glad to have you participating. Again, my name is Anna Schaus. I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a unity minister and an addictions counselor. I'm also a person who has in my own circle of love and friendship many people with the disease of addiction, and uh, almost 33 years ago now, those relationships got me started on an active path of personal growth and spiritual development, and my walk is an integration of the unity principles and the recovery principles, and those keep me growing and keep my life transforming and uh, lead me into ever deeper and ever richer understandings of who I am and what my relationship is to my spiritual life. So I am very grateful, delighted to have the opportunity to share these ideas about recovery and spirituality with you to bring you great guests and also to hear what you're experiencing in your spirituality and your recovery. Today we have a very interesting topic, as always, and uh, the topic is "Tales from the Center of the Herd." And uh, I didn't make that up. It's a great title. It's the title of the book that my guest wrote. My guest is Arthur Messenger, and Arthur Messenger is a pseudonym. It's uh, his, my guest's pen name. And uh, Arthur has been a guest here with me uh, before a couple of times on Spirit of Recovery. He's uh, got a, a book called Living the 12 Steps of Recovery, One Day at a Time, and that was released in 2010, and I had Arthur on to talk about that book. It's a it's a wonderful book that you can um, enjoy reading. It's a, a wonderful expansion and personal stories and personal reflections on the 12 Steps of Recovery. And Arthur also now, of course, has this new book called Tales from the Center of the Herd. He resides in the Pacific Northwest. He writes articles, fiction and poetry and prose, and has also written an award-winning play about the United Airlines Flight 93 in 2001. Arthur has degrees in communication management with an emphasis in public relations and advertising. And his book, new book, Tales from the Center of the Herd, just won the December 2013 Book of the Month from the online global recovery community in the rooms.com. And so, um, Arthur, welcome to Spirit of Recovery. We're glad to have you back.
2: Dr. Anna, very uh, good to be here as your guest again, and uh, my regards to all the people that are out there listening.
0: Thank you. Well, um, your book is fascinating. I know we're going to get to hear a lot about that today and about what uh, got you interested in writing it. It, Basically, you uh, spent four years interviewing long-timers in recovery. That was the impetus for this, and you compiled their stories, and there's 18 stories in this book, personal stories of recovery. So first of all, please tell us, on the cover of this book um, is a photograph of these beautiful animals called zebras and you've got once a zebra always a zebra so tell us about the zebras and and the concept of being at the center of the herd what does that mean
2: well the idea was that uh, you know in our disease concept uh, w- over these uh, years the idea in our fellowship became uh, quaintly referred to, uh, in recovery speak, as uh, once a zebra, always a zebra. So that phrase, that label was passed around, and the idea was that, you know, once you got your stripes, you know, uh, you you were easily recognizable amongst uh, other people that were in recovery, whether it was from uh, addiction or alcoholism. I was at the time um, working, writing a Step in Tradition article for our regional area 92 newsletter um, called Carrying the Message, and my editor said, well, you know, why don't we try some sort of a feature? And it occurred to me, because I was in the process of writing Living the 12 Steps of Recovery, that, you know, in the big book, um, there were stories of people's actual uh, recovery uh, in the back of the book. And so I decided, well, you know, I'm going to pursue that. And the way that I'm going to do that is I will go around to different meetings in my area and pick people that have 20 years or more that we call old-timers, but uh, you call long-timers, pretty much the same thing. And then I will ask them if they would be willing to submit to an interview. So I started out doing that, and uh, over the course of four years, I talked to 18 different people. And each month, uh, when we had our newsletter come out, uh, I would write this interview kind of uh, in the style of, of uh, popular magazines where I asked a question and they responded. And uh, it was really a, a wonderful experience. Each one of them became uh, an opportunity to really hear what it was like, you know, about these people's individual recovery. Uh, there were some difficulties that were involved. Uh, for instance, you know how people have a tendency to uh, stammer and and uh, and to drift back and forth and tangent uh, uh, while they're telling their stories. I the way that I would do it was I would use this little nondescript, um, oh maybe three inch long digital recorder, and then I would invite them down or go to their house. We'd have a glass of iced tea or coffee, and and they would sit and tell me about it. Then what I had to do was to take this hour or hour and a half um, experience of listening to their story and transcribe it. I didn't really want to, you know, portray, uh, you know, the stories as anything more than the people's renditions of their recovery, you know, what it was like, uh, what happened and what they were like after they recovered and so uh... in the process of doing that i even tried to uh... simulate their dialogues their inflections their vocal their language idiosyncrasies and to incorporate those into the stories but sorting that stuff out over the course of an hour or two got to be kind of interesting well if that wasn't enough then what i did was when i first got to them i asked them all of course for a press release knowing that eventually i would turn this into a collection And uh, in order to make that uh, attractive to them, what I did was uh, I told them that they could have whatever they wanted in terms of a right of refusal in terms of editing. So I definitely got that. Uh, And as a result of it, you know, they went through and kind of dissected things uh, word for word. So it really is an incorporation of both of uh, the person who was interviewed and my style in terms of, uh, uh, you know, relating their story. Then, uh, you know, the once a zebra, always a zebra thing, uh, you know, just uh, came about um, as a result of attending meetings and people using the phrase. So as a result of that, I uh, I had heard uh, people use the uh, expression, you know, stay close to the center of the herd because, you know, there's strength in numbers. And so I, I parodied that into kind of a theme for my book, Tales from the Center of the Herd and uh when the readers get a chance to read it they'll see that i played that thematically throughout the entire book
0: right yeah you talk a lot about um well two ways that, that i see in there one is that you talk uh in each section you've got a different animal that uh that you group stories under different sections and so one is the the animal, the zebra, and you talk a little bit about the meaning of the different animals and their strengths—the the sense of the spiritual meaning of them. How? Tell us a little bit about that. You've got some um, very uh, here in the Pacific Northwest. Animals. We have a
2: here in the Pacific Northwest. We have a lot of Native Americans, and uh, they, you know, respect uh, animals uh, as totems, uh, and and uh, do so because of their strengths. And so as a result of that, I decided that I would see if there were not uh, mythological uh, uh, strengths and and attributes of animals that people respected in terms of not only Native American, but, um, uh, you know, everybody in terms of, uh, you know, what those animals represent. So I took, uh, you know, the ones that um, were most prominent and interspersed those um, throughout the stories. Um, they bear no relation on the actual stories of the people, but uh, people associate, uh, you know, strengths and attributes uh, with these animals. And um, as we get later into the program, I'll, I'll give you a brief rendition of one of them so that I can show you how and why it is that I used them.
0: Great. Yeah, that sounds great. It really is, uh, is interesting, and you've got beautiful photographs also in the book that, of the animals. And certainly one thing where that Tales of the Center of the Herd carries through in the stories is that in all of the stories, the people talk about... Uh, community, the community, the recovery community, and about their connections to that, and about how important that is. Could you tell us a little bit more about that, maybe in general, or or if there are some specific stories where people are really um, talking about the importance of staying in the in the herd in that good way, in a sense, part of the community.
2: Almost all of these people, in the relation of their stories tell me that uh, that it was the fellowship and their continued um connection uh not only through sponsors but um other people that were in the fellowship that that made it possible for them to find the strength courage and and uh humility t- uh, to continue their uh, life of uh, sobriety and to seek emotional and spiritual balance um you know the stories all have um different renditions of, of of what that means to them. Um, I have picked out some um, uh, paragraphs. I don't want to you know get into it too deeply, but um uh, there's one about uh, a guy by the name of um uh, Pious Paul, and Paul was an atheist. And um, he had this to say uh, towards the end of his interview about how he had recovered and what his life was like then. When talking about the first three steps, I often hear people say, fake it till you make it. But when it came to the steps and embracing the higher power concept, it was my experience that it didn't work at all until I really meant it. My life of a pretend faith is over. Alcoholism is a fatal disease. I was convinced of that as soon as I got here. Since I also knew I had it, I felt that if I didn't want myself completely to didn't uh, I felt that if I didn't give myself completely to this program, that I was going to die. I had many fantasies about suicide. As an atheist one hundred eighty because recognition of and total reliance upon a higher power was all that could save me from myself and a long, unhappy life, uh, drunken life and death. It doesn't matter to me what form the spirituality takes as long as it works. I have found my own approach to God in my own way, but it did take a change, a whole new approach to my life.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow.
2: That was part of Pete's story. Uh, he um, goes on to uh, talk about um, uh, how community really matters. And uh, back again to our discussion about uh, the saying, uh, Tales from the Center of the Herd, and and how I used it as my title, um, there is uh, another party uh, that I'll read an excerpt of uh, here in the book um, Jan Pollock and, and in fact, I should say at this point, Anna that um there are about four or five of these people that have passed away, and the neat part about this book is is that they all realize that at some point you know that that they would die, but their stories live on forever, so that gives me uh, kind of a spiritual connection to them, even though they aren 't with us anymore
0: right that's um one of the wonderful things about as you said about the concept of community and the the sense of staying in the center of that community because it's 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 makes the life go on you know it makes it's not about one person it's about the continuity of the consciousness i think
2: and I would agree with that. Uh, you know, it's it's it is the sense of of community. It is the center of the herd, where you know the people that and uh, that's that's why I use that from the center of the herd because these are the people that have twenty years or more of recovery. And they are the ones that we look to to find out how it is, you know, that they manage to acquire that, uh, you know, consecutively in terms of the time period. Uh, that's what we're all after is continued sobriety and to seek a, an emotional and spiritual balance. Do you agree?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, that makes um a lot of sense. And I, I was thinking, too, just in terms of, of your story about Pius Paul, that you read some from that. The, the idea of him being able to shift his understanding of spirituality, probably a lot of that came from being around other people. So that's, again, the community is a part of what was allowed him to open up to that spiritual realm and his own personal spirituality.
2: Well, there were 18 people uh, um, that I wrote these stories about, and another one um, uh, is uh, a nickname amongst our fellowship was um, Curious George. George was Uh a writer, and uh, he also. Hold
0: on to that story, Arthur. It's time for our first break, so when we come back, we'll hear about Curious George.
2: Listeners, stay with
0: us. Yes. Our yeah. topic today is Tales from the Center of the Herd. My guest is Arthur Messenger, who is the author of the book, Tales from the Center of the Herd, and we'll be right back. Stay with us. <laughs>
3: Are you tired of life slamming the door in your face? Did you get another rejection letter, pink slip, foreclosure notice, or go on yet another bad date? Does it seem like the older you get, the more hopeless life seems? Are you ready to stop taking no as your final answer? Then join us for Design Your Life, a talk show by Kevin Cottrell Ross, The Coach's Coach, Go into the locker room for one full hour with a championship coach every week and start designing your winning playbook that will make the rest of your life the best of your life. That's Design Your Life with Kevin Cottrell Ross, The Coach's Coach, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Time on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
0: Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. I'm very glad that you're listening with us today. If you're just joining us, our topic is Tales from the Center of the Herd, and my guest is Arthur Messenger. Arthur is the author of that book. It's a brand-new book, Tales from the Center of the Herd. It has just uh, won in December the um, Book of the Month uh, from the In the Rooms a global recovery community which is a wonderful online community and so Tales from the Center of the Herd has just won their award also Arthur is the author of the book Living the 12 Steps of Recovery One Day at a Time and you can learn more about Arthur and his work and um, find his books at www.living12stepsrecovery.org and that's all spelled out the words are spelled out Living 12 steps recovery.org also his books tales from the center of the herd and living the 12 steps of recovery are available on amazon um, um, and kindle versions you and so you can find those there if you would like to read these books and we are talking about uh, the, the book the tales from the center of the herd is a collection of uh, stories of recovery of those long-timers in recovery, people with 20 or more years of sobriety that Arthur has collected, and he interviewed them and, and wrote them up, and they're just fantastic. Um, Arthur's messenger is a pseudonym, so we are not using his actual name, so we are certainly abiding by the tradition of anonymity uh, that's in the 12-step programs. But before Arthur and I get back to our conversation, I'd like to invite you you to join me for a moment called the Serenity Minute, a moment to relax, a moment to share a constructive idea, and to get in touch with that higher power of our own individual understanding. So I do invite you to relax. I invite you to take a breath and to share with me this constructive idea. I know the power of God's healing love is present in my life. I know the power of God's healing love is present in my life. And I know the power of God's healing love is present in the lives of my friends, my family, and all who are in need of healing and wholeness. The power of God's healing love is present in all people. We take just a moment in the quiet. Thank you, friends, for joining me in the Serenity Minute, and I trust that it was an opportunity for you to relax, to get into a positive, constructive frame of mind, and to open up to the presence of your higher power, and so it is. And now I'm back with my guest, Arthur Messenger, and we're talking about uh, his book, Tales from the Center of the Herd. So, Arthur, you were uh, starting before our break, you were going to tell us about Curious George.
2: Thanks, Anna. Uh, George was an atheist, and he fancied himself as a writer and wanted to write the great American novel. His drinking, of course, got in the way of that. But he finally did find sobriety. And so I wanted to take the last page of his interview and just take a couple of minutes um, to read about his epilogue. Is that okay? Sure. So I asked him this question, and now, how about your epilogue, George? What is it like for you now, living a life of recovery? In the last five years, I have become engrossed in the subject of human consciousness, If we cannot choose what comes to our consciousness, how can there really be any free will? Alcoholics talk about no control over their minds at all. Although we can resist a thought, most of the time we cannot choose what it is we begin to think about. It just pops into our minds like awakening in the morning. I've been happily married now to the same woman for many years because my program of living and recovery has taught me new skills of patience, patience, tolerance and kindness I know how to admit that when I'm wrong to say that I am and to say that I am sorry making amends by truly trying to change my behavior so much of my earlier life was spent trying to escape reality and by identifying myself through the dominance of women that's mostly over now although old habits die hard I respond now instead of knee-jerk reacting. Yes, I would still call myself an atheist, but agnostic is a more fitting description. I have an understanding that allows me to seek answers without having to spend so much time deciding in what I believe or don't. It comes to you through acceptance and trust, both in yourself and in the guiding spiritual influence of the universe. I may never really understand or be able to rigidly define my faith, such as it is, It's like trying to write the great American novel. You can always do more editing, more changing. Like that effort, my life is a work in progress, ever evolving. Once I simply opened the doors and stopped fighting everything, the channel of understanding opened in me, and its energy started to flow. That's where I look for strength and courage, for inspiration and insight. It doesn't really have or need a name, but it's definitely a power greater than myself.
0: Mm. So, wow, that's a, a wonderful explication of how it is that as individuals we can have our own experience of our higher power which is so much a foundation of, uh, of the recovery programs
2: Everybody has their own concept of faith and understanding, don't they? The wonderful thing about uh, recovery, in, especially AA and NA, and Al-Anon as well, I think, is is that it allows us to have uh, a higher power of our own understanding. And that is such a broad uh, definition that it encompasses room for everyone.
0: Right. And I'd like to invite our listeners, if you have a comment about uh, that, about our, your higher power, how you understand your higher power, or any questions about that, give us a call at 888-558-6489 or email us at spiritofrecovery at fm. if you'd like to make a comment about um, higher power and how we understand that. Um, meanwhile, tell us some more, um, Arthur, about when you interviewed I mean, you interviewed 18 people. What did you notice about the different ways that people did uh, define or experience their higher power?
2: These people were all, you know, just simple people trying to recover and they all pretty much had a common concept and some of them uh, you know had a faith and an understanding uh, of god in the traditional and the classic sense others especially the two that i've just written uh, read about to the readers and you and i today you know had a a, a broader a, a wider definition but to see that they were both atheistic when they first started and ended up in at least some understanding Um, you know, makes a statement unto itself about, you know, how the program touches everyone to eventually find their own definition of spirituality, right?
0: Yeah, right. And it always seems, and too, and I really notice this in these stories, that one way or the other that it has a couple of qualities. It has that people feel relief, like they don't feel so burdened. They feel like there is a power beyond their understanding that's helping them. And they also feel uh, a sense of wanting to be of service, wanting to be somehow part of the bigger picture and, and be part of life. Is that how you see it? You or? know,
2: uh, I agree with you. Uh, you asked me um, when we were preparing for today's show, uh, you know, what, what I learned from these people mm-hmm. uh, as a result of doing these interviews. And I have a saying called the five Ps of recovery. Principles, practice, patience, persistence, prayer, and meditation. And I found these to be uh, instruments of uh, the working of the program amongst all of these people that I talked to. And another one of the concepts that they were, uh, you know, immersed in was their recognition and understanding of the term humility. Um, You know, we find out that uh, as an alcoholic, and as an addict that, we, you know, we all need to acquire an attitude of gratitude. And that gratitude is, is the basic ingredient of humility. That's, wh- that's where I think that it, it really starts. That humility uh, is, you know, the, the, the route to uh, where we arrive at, the tradition of anonymity. And it's at the spiritual foundation of all of our uh, traditions, um, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Um, The the attitude of gratitude was so important to all of these people, Uh, but they had uh, what seemed to me to be two other strikingly important and common um, virtues, those of patience and tolerance. Uh, they all, uh, you know, were in a hurry to get what it is that they wanted when they started. In their in their early drinking careers, they couldn't find, you know, the level of, of satisfaction uh, through drinking and using drugs that, that they thought that they would end up. But as a result of, you know, their recovery and their spirituality, they found that, uh, pursuing the uh, expansion of the virtues of patient, both patience and tolerance led them to a level of peace that replaced that.
0: Right. You know, that's fascinating because in one thing related to that that I noticed in all these stories is that all of these people were so um, interesting that all of them, very different, but all of them had pursued with a great energy uh, whatever it was in their lives that was important to them, you know, before sobriety. And certainly they may have made a lot of progress in those things, but ultimately um, because of the alcoholism or the addiction, it didn't didn't pan out for them, you know, the way they had hoped. But they were all really, as you're saying, they really were, you know, they were after life. They wanted to, to be engaged in life, but it was only after sobriety where they found that real satisfaction.
2: You know, let's, because we're on such a limited uh, time basis, um, go and, and and talk about another one of the stories. Sure. Uh, these are two, two of my favorite people, Fran and Jan Pollock. I don't have any problem um, speaking their names because anonymity won't be really too terribly important to them anymore. They both passed away. Jan and Fran were kind of pioneers of... Um, Alcoholics Anonymous, here in my area in the Northwest, and they actually took the big book uh, the first time through to Romania and smuggled it into the country. But Fran was an instructor at a a local university in um, uh, American literature, and he had this one little striking line that I wanted to share with you in the audience before I get a little bit into their story um, that he wrote in uh, 1998. We tend to forget, in times of reversal, that life without risk is endless rehearsal. Mm. I thought that that was really bright to myself. Yes, um, yes, Fran and Jan uh, uh, have a, had a very, very interesting story. I hope that um, the listeners will get a chance to read it, and I know that you have, so I want to just take a small excerpt out of it. When Fran read the big book, it was an epiphany for him. It was like the answer to all of his prayers, solving his drinking dilemma. Voila! He was instantly struck sober. Though my motives were not pure to begin with, the reality eventually struck me. Fran was very happy getting sober, but I was very unhappy. All the phrases resonated for him, and he had found instantly what he was looking for. I was picking it apart, thinking of the phrases as archaic, saying, well, I don't know about this part. Thankfully, the higher power brought me enough grace to stay sober until I wanted to be sober. I cried a lot and was very depressed. I didn't see this as a happy way of living your life. I didn't want to stay home, so I went to meetings every night, attending more than ninety meetings in ninety days. I had great reservation and felt that I I was much too young for AA. I really didn't care for a lot of the people. Who'd have thought I was very judgmental? You sort of had to have credentials before I would listen to you, and any other uh, and, and other ways besides patronizingly. I thought, who are you to tell me anything? I was certain that I was superior to those other fellowship members. I would not admit that I was an alcoholic and always came up with some other way to put it, acting as the Al-Anon wife. Then they asked me me to read how it works from Chapter 5 in the big book. I talked to myself into getting up and said, my name is Jan and I'm an alcoholic. When I finally did that, it was like freedom. Fran and Jen uh, were a couple of amazing people. I I still miss them. And Fran uh, actually was a writer herself, and and when I was just getting started, she would pass me little cards in the room, say, here, this one is free, you know, with titles and phrases to use in my work. Mm -hmm. Uh, I remember them fondly, and um, as a result of having this story and doing their interview, always will. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I love that story there is there's so much in there and i i think a lot of it is about the humility um again they as it says in the story they were both pretty sophisticated people in the ways of the world and yet it was when they really found their heart that their lives got better and and really changed neat people for sure
2: i have a um a songwriter that uh, has always meant a great deal to me and uh, her name is joni mitchell uh, she has a saying: "The best you imitate, the rest you memorize." And there again, uh, that refers back to my um, uh, naming the book "Tales from the Center of the Herd." Uh, you know, and staying close to the center of the herd. It is. It is by the experience. It is by the extri- or the hope. It is by the strengths of these people and reading their stories. That You know, we learn how it is that they managed to stay consecutively sober for 20 years, and it gives us patterns that, that we can imitate, and why not? You know, that, that is what we're all trying to do, as we said in the beginning, is to try to develop staying continuously clean and sober and doing it for 20 years. And uh, when we read their stories, you know, it helps us to understand how they did and gives us something to emulate.
0: Absolutely, we've already talked about some of the things that they did. You know, in terms of staying close and and uh, the humility and stuff. Could uh, what's one other thing that stands out for you that uh, you see in the patterns of these people that have this long sobriety? And we, well, hold on to that. We'll tell, talk about that after the break, and I'll come back and ask you that. Listeners stay with us. My uh, guest today is Arthur Messenger. He is the author of the book Tales from the Center of the Herd. That book is available at living12stepsrecovery.org and those words are all spelled out. It's also available on Amazon and uh, stay with us. We'll be right back.
3: As co-host of Unity Online Radio's Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed, Daryl's old-school charm and no-nonsense approach to spirituality keep a global audience laughing and inspired. What If Godzilla Just Wanted a Hug is loaded with Daryl's hilarious, award-winning illustrations and packs his wit and wisdom into easy-to-digest, bite-sized stories of how he transforms chaos into tranquility and succeeds in the entertainment business by doing the opposite of everyone else. What If Godzilla Just Wanted a Hug is a pocket Bible encouraging the talented and timid to trust their gut Have fun ordering your copy of What If Godzilla Just Wanted a Hug today on Amazon.com.
1: Does music open your heart and bring you peace and joy? Experience the sacredness of sound with Ram Desh as we travel the world of mantra, kundalini yoga, and devotional music. Join us for a journey into spirit Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern on Spirit Voyage Radio with Ramdesh. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with your host, Reverend Anna Schaus, PhD. And now, here's Anna.
0: Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. If you're just joining us, our topic today is Tales from the Center of the Herd, and that is the title of the new book by my guest, Arthur Messenger. and uh, this book won the December 2013 Book of the Month Award from In the Rooms, a global recovery community, and you can find that on Facebook. Um, you can go to arthur's website to learn more about his work and to see his two books the this one tales from the center of the herd and his other book uh, living the 12 steps of recovery and that uh, website is living 12 steps recovery Dot org. And those words are all spelled out, living12stepsrecovery.org. Steps recovery.org. You can also find Arthur on Facebook. You can just type in Arthur Messenger or Living 12 Steps of Recovery and find him on Facebook. You can also uh, tweet him at a.messenger349. So you can find him on Twitter at messenger 349 Also, Arthur's books are available on Kindle, on Amazon. And if you happen to be in the Spokane area, Spokane, Washington, uh, on March the 10th, 9th and 10th, uh, Arthur will be there with uh, signing books at the Northwest Pockets of of Enthusiasm 12-step conference. And you can look that up on the web at nwpockets.org. And so it's Northwest Pockets of Enthusiasm 12-step conference in Spokane, Washington on March the 9th and 10th. And Arthur will be there. So you could meet him. And he could sign your book if you want. So, Arthur, you were – before the break, I was asking you about one other aspect that you saw in these people that have this long-term recovery, 20-plus years. We're talking about how important it is to see the patterns, what keeps those people in recovery. And you were going to share with us about um, another aspect that you see in their lives that's important to long-term recovery.
2: Thank you, Anna. First, I, I need to make a small correction. The sure. Pockets of Enthusiasm is on the 7th and 8th. Oh,
0: okay. All right.
2: That's a Friday and Saturday. Okay. And getting okay. back to uh, your question about, uh, uh, you know, a common trait that everyone has, uh, gratitude probably would be the uh, thing that that was uh, most identifiable to me. Um each of these people explained how truly grateful they were to have left the life of misery that they had in in uh, their alcoholism or addiction. And found also, I think as I do, and perhaps you do too as well, Anna, and you listeners out there might as also, that the development of gratitude as a practice skill is really one of the very best ways to draw yourself out of depression or, um, you know, anxiety, uh, uh, emotional states, you know, that that hold us in in what are really uh, false states of trouble. We say that fear is false evidence appearing real. uh, By assembling a gratitude list, and almost all of them, without exception, did this. Uh, And that is the practice of taking the things that they... Uh, have in their lives, uh, beginning with uh, the simple uh, concepts of two feet on the ground and and food, uh, uh, shelter, uh, clothing, uh, you know, um, and, and people in their life that they love, that that is what really helped them to um, uh, develop this uh, further uh, um, trait of humility. Uh, and and, and I, know, I noticed that that was common all the way through you know, that that every one of them have done that. Do you uh, practice uh, gratitude as a regular uh, um, skill uh, in your own life, Anna?
0: I do. I do. Every day. I don't write it down every day, but every day in the morning or in the evening or in the middle of the day when I think about it, and certainly when I sit down to eat, I do. I say, thank you, God. Thank you that I'm alive. And those, again, those simple things. And um whatever's to mind, because it it does, it helps me anchor in that reality that life is good. It's really important. When you're
2: first starting, you know, you can start with a list. And, of course, after many, many years, uh, you know, that list uh, is something that you have committed to memory. But we find that as we go along, there are more things um, that we are grateful for. Now, before the break, we were talking about um, totems, and, mm-hmm. and my use of them throughout the book um, with the depiction of five or six different animals. Uh, they all have a subliminal message. The idea is to associate with their strengths and try to incorporate them in our own pursuit of spiritual peace. Um, one of the ones uh, that uh, is popular is the owl, which is a spiritual symbol of wisdom and insight. Can I read a little bit about that to you?
0: Sure, please do. And you have a beautiful photograph of an owl, its face, with its big eyes. It's just gorgeous.
2: Underneath, there is a uh, quotation by Cahil Gibran. Wisdom ceases to be wisdom when it becomes too proud to weep, too grave to laugh, and too selfish to seek other than itself. The owl is the spiritual symbol of wisdom and insight, spirit guide of knowledge and wisdom. The owl has exceptional vision and acute hearing. Acquiring the skills of listening while quietly watching is fundamental for those in recovery. Owls have long been known as guardians of the night and of secrets, symbolic overseers of our tradition of anonymity. Their spiritual stewardship reminds us that who we see and what we hear in recovery's meetings should remain quietly protected within our hearts. As such, the owl is a symbol of discretion, the overseer of hidden truth. Among early English folk cures, alcoholism was treated with owl egg. The imbiber was prescribed raw eggs, and a child given this treatment was thought to gain life protection against drunkenness. Best known as the symbol of intelligence, brilliance, wisdom, and knowledge, the owl is a sacred guide of the afterlife, ruler of the night, a seer and keeper of souls transitioning from one plane of existence to another. As a spiritual guide to recovery, it teaches us the discernment by three methods we may learn wisdom. First, by reflection, which is noblest. Second, by imitation, which is easiest. And third, by experience, which is the most bitter.
0: hmm mm-hmm. Lots of wisdom from that owl.
2: Well, the idea is is that each one of these animals that that I put in there, and there are five, uh, and and there are also pictures of each, are you know. P- Opportunities for the reader to take a moment and to concentrate on the skills that we just read about, Uh, you know, and and to remember that those are things that we uh, want to try to acquire, to set our sights toward in terms of finding that emotional and spiritual balance that for most of us is a lifetime pursuit. And this was different for me to do this, and I don't know that anyone else has done that. So it was a bit of a risk, but I feel good about it, and um, I like the way they kind of blended in with the stories. How about you?
0: Yes, I did. I enjoyed that. Yeah, it was like a, it, a, it was a very spiritual experience to have the, the animals in there. It was like it kind of gave a lift and a perspective to, to everything that, you, that I was reading in the stories.
2: You know, the owl is the, uh, a spiritual protector of anonymity. And one of the things that uh, people have asked me uh, when they read this book is, you know, what did you do to protect the anonymity of these people? Well, to be quite honest with you, I did falter around a bit with their names, uh, you know, and tried to protect, uh, you know, the locations of the places that they had been. Uh, but anonymity is a changing value, I think, in recovery. And uh, In the beginning, you know, when when um, Alcoholics Anonymous first started, anonymity was important because, uh, you know, people didn't uh, want to be identified. They were afraid that there was a stigma of revealing that they were involved in a fellowship that was, uh, you know, centered on spiritual recovery from uh, addiction and alcoholism. But now that's pretty much changed. I mean, uh, uh, being in recovery, uh, you know, is widely accepted. And so, you know, the idea of guarding anonymity concentrates pretty much today on what i felt was its original purpose and that is to keep uh ambition out of you know a service oriented fellowship whether it's Al-Anon, na or aa the idea that we have someone speaking for our common good is not something that we really want you know because we want to remember it's our principles before our personalities
0: that's right. Yeah, that's right. It's, that's the, the really important thing. And also so that people, um, who come in, who, you know, that everybody knows that they're, that they are safe there, that they will, um, uh, be, that their anonymity is protected, that they're the only person that can break it or, you know, if, but only with their permission. And that's really important, you know, for a lot of people. So, um, and, and the traditions are, you know, basically, you know, that you can use uh, first name, last initial, whatever, you know. So it's not, it's not secrecy. I think sometimes that gets mixed up. Anonymity is not the same thing as secrecy. Not
2: traditions. at all. It's a personal choice, um, as I understand it. You know, if you want to, you know, you can change your name, use a gnome de plume, um, and you can do that in terms of the protection of others. But, you know, in terms of our sharing information about other people, their stories, uh, the things that, uh, you know, they have said that they would expect that we would hold in confidence, uh, that's a principle of anonymity that I hope stays alive and is respected by all who participate in our various fellowships.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, Arthur, it's wonderful that that you wrote these stories and... uh, it's so much the heart of recovery is telling our stories, is, is, uh, when people sit around in circle and tell stories and they're heard that they're received. So, uh, tell us how's your book being received? It, it's not quite the same as a face-to-face circle, but still, it, you tell, you're sharing these stories. How's, how's your book being received?
2: Oh, you know, pr- very well, thank you. Um, I am a self-published author, so, you know, my distribution is uh, not the same as, um, you know, like hitting the bookshelf uh, uh, through Barnes & Noble. Uh, you know, I um, am only available in, on Amazon and Nook and uh, and through my local distribution centers and uh, through my fellowship on... Alano clubs and and uh a lot or, I mean not Alano clubs but the Alano clubs uh and and, and I did have my book uh, for a while available at uh, my central office bookstore but um, you know, as well as as far as being received is concerned, I mean, I completely sold out the last time that uh, that I did uh, pockets of enthusiasm, and and I will probably do the same again uh, if I uh, manage to put myself into a different level of uh, uh, distribution. Um, you know, there are two million people worldwide that are involved in just the fellowship of uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, and. And uh, getting the award from, uh, uh, you know, um, in the rooms and being able to uh, uh, distribute the book uh, uh, through the website, all of that has helped. Uh, The idea was to do something for other people uh, that are in recovery. Uh, It was not, uh, you know, with the idea of becoming famous or making a profit. But, um, you know, I I think that as far as that's concerned, my goal is accomplished.
0: Great. Arthur, our time is up, but I want to thank you so much for, first of all, for writing the book and and for writing your other Book to the 12 Steps Recovery, Living the 12 Steps of Recovery. Thank you for who you are and for what you're doing, and, and thank you for being my guest today here on Spirit of Recovery. It's just been a joy.
2: Dr. Honor, it has been my pleasure.
0: Thank you. Thank you, listeners, for being with us today. Have a wonderful week, and we'll be back next week here on Spirit of Recovery.
1: The Great Forgetting. That's what some call this time in which we are living. It is a time when we have become so youth-obsessed and age-averse that the wisdom and experience of our elders is being marginalized and, in too many cases, lost. Each Tuesday at 5 p.m. Central Time, George and Sadina Cappanelli, co-founders of Age Nation and co-authors of the award-winning Do Not Go Quietly, talk with some of the leading wisdom keepers of our time about how we can use this precious gift called our lives to create a more sane sustainable conscious and loving world every tuesday at 5 p.m central on do not go quietly conversations with the wisdom keepers only on unity online radio the voice of an awakening world
3: Rami and his guests will engage in lively, humorous discussions about what it means to be a spiritual human being in the 21st century. How to Be a Holy Rascal, Wednesdays at 11 a.m., only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Music Speaks Louder Than Words is an inspiring, informative, and fun hour of uplifting, heartfelt music and commentary that delivers a powerful message of love, joy, and oneness. It will keep you smiling and singing along. Your hosts, Reverends Dale Worley and Christy Snow, are alive with the Spirit of God and singing their love to you each Thursday afternoon at 3 p.m. Central Time with Music Speaks Louder Than Words. Music, it's the only thing that the whole world listens to. Music speaks louder than words
0: when you sing.
3: Are you looking for help on your path to healing? I'm Lisa Campion. I'm a psychic, Reiki master, teacher, and energy healer. On my podcast, The Miracle of Healing, I'm going to help you on your healing path. Listen to conversations with leading teachers in energy medicine, quantum healing, and people who have recovered from loss and illness. Whether it's to take care of your own healing or to help other people, this is the podcast for you right here on mindbodyspirit.fm.